Hi, I'm Jeremy Bastian, creator of First Tire Golf, and I love Sci Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. So let me tell you how much I hate Skype. I mean, just before we even start here. We, we're sitting here 15, 20 minutes before the show, talking through the show, talking with each other, snarking at each other, throwing virtual paper clips at each other. And then Kriana goes, everybody shut the hell up and mute yourselves so we can get this puppy going. So I hit the mute button on my Skype. And then there's the point at which, you know, the guy says, yeah, they're dead. They're all dead. And that's the point at which I hit my unmute button so I can say, hi, and welcome to TalkCast 263 and this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. You know what so I know everyone who listens to the show wants to hear? You bitching about Skype. Oh, shut up. I, I know that's what I come week after week for. Skype is the worst. <laughs> oh, my God. So for the past three weeks, every time I hit that <sighs> damn unmute button, it beach balls. And I'm sitting here and I'm wondering, how long is that going to go for? And sometimes it's two seconds and sometimes it's 30 seconds. I don't know. I'm tired of this. We're being stalked by someone named Rebecca in the chat. I have no idea cool. who this is. Hello, Rebecca. They were like, it's me, Rebecca. And I was like, okay, you streamer 44371. Of course it's you, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Of course. So is Chief Pontificator tonight. Here's the rest of the TalkCast gang. The Revere Time Vortex, our technical omnivore who can't do anything about why Skype sucks. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. Well, I can. It would just hurt. Hurt who? <laughs> That's the real question now, isn't it? <laughs> we're, we're missing Zombrarian uh, tonight. She's busy crafting snowflakes in the Dank Dungeon reading room. Uh, and we'll hopefully... We're throwing uh, up on snowflakes. We're throwing up on snowflakes. We're not sure which anymore. From a galaxy not as far away as you might think, the woman who is just entranced by Agent Carter's red lipstick, especially... Among other things. Yeah, among other things. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, night. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Our guest tonight, return engagement, because engagements are always good when they're returned. Joe Schmalky joins us again. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, well, you've been listening for the past half hour, so I gotta do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Joe's latest endeavor, The Infernal Pact, version uh, episode zero and one. And I always liked it when they start with the zero. I'm not sure why. But we're going to talk about the second half of the show. We're going to start off, however, like we normally do, with the news. 
Yeah, that works pretty well. Yeah, I'm reading Life Hacker. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good to know you're paying attention. I'm not looking at my Instagram right now. Okay, either. update though. Rebecca <laughs> is friends with Joe. Joe, tell us about Rebecca. Uh, and now if you don't know who she is, it's going to be extremely awkward. No, Rebecca was my roommate when we were um, in high school slash college. You could have just said, I have no idea who this crazy person is. And that would have been <laughs> really funny. So, uh, Rebecca, now share the most embarrassing story about Joe that you can think of. And we'll, we'll actually begin the, the beginning of his interview with that embarrassing story. Well, Absolutely. obviously. Ah. <laughs> I'm glad he's still laughing. He may be gone shortly, but that's okay. No, no, no. I don't think she's got anything that bad on me. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that you remember. Yeah, yeah. Those were pretty toxic times, so you never know. <laughs> so in, in the news this week, uh, I got a, an uh, instant message across our Facebook, or a Facebook message. Oh, my God. You can do that? I get it. <laughs> From uh, Lisa Fox, who wanted to talk about uh, this wonderful comic book store called Collector's Kingdom in Long Island, or as they say, Long Island, uh, that had burned down a couple of months back. Uh, the, evidently, it's been around for about 30 years and was just kind of like a geek heaven for everybody. So a bunch of geeks got together and put together a charity event to help the new owners raise the money to rebuild uh, Geek Heaven on Long Island. Uh, we're hopefully going to have Lisa on next week to talk about what they're going to do for this charity event, and we're going to provide a link to the event in this week's podcast so that you can click on it and if you're in the Long Island area, or if you want to fly down from West Haven, Connecticut, or whatever, you know, you could do that. That would be cool. So, yeah, hopefully uh, Lisa will join us next week because the booking monkey just got himself an email that said, make that happen. Heads up, booking monkey. Well, if he's not in the chat room, he's not listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just had a hi to Beaky. Oh, that's Joe. Oh, Joe is I, I misspelled. I misspelled Becky. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, it could have been another Joe. You're really bad at this. <laughs> Try harder. Okay, so, oh. man, you just completely. Oh, man. So, for anyone wondering, <laughs> Joe is UStreamer two two three zero, and. Beaky is your streamer four four three seven one. That's your new name now, Beaky. That's what you're. That's what you're being Sorry, called from now on. And uh, it's the best. Well, it's the best. No one else is called that. You're. You're that unique. Very true. Very true. So with this week's Agent Carter review, Sir Sarah Lady Knight. Um, there were some ladies that kissed each other, and I went insane oh my god um so it was the best episode yet you guys yes what do we think uh, i'm with you on this one yeah because each episode has outdone the previous ones yeah they haven't missed yet yeah this one was 
absolutely spectacular. Um, and my favorite thing, I think, was Peggy's reaction to being kissed by our resident Black Widow, Dottie, um, which wasn't, oh, what are you doing kissing me? It was, why are you wearing my knockout lipstick? <laughs> which was arguably the best reaction that ever could have happened to, you know, one girl kissing another wearing knockout lipstick. Well, yeah, um, it's a whole lot of different things going on at the same time there, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, but I think the star of the episode was Angie, who was kind of missing a little bit from the last episode or two. We saw her a little bit. Um, Peggy warned Howard Stark off of her when she, when Angie knocked on Peggy's door. That was cute. But last night, she totally stole the show um, and put on kind of this fake crying act um, in front of um, Agent Souza and uh, Fuckboy. Oh, I'm sorry, Thompson. Fuckboy. No, Souza's <laughs> okay. I like Souza. But no, it, it, um, Jack Thompson is no longer um, ever Agent Thompson. He's either Jack or Agent Fuckboy. Okay. Those are the only names that he's allowed to go by because he is the absolute worst. Um, he's dumb as it comes at this point. He's, I hate him more than anything. I wrote an essay on how much I hate him. I don't know if I told you guys that last week. I wrote an essay on how much I hate him. Um, things are fine. I have no problems at all. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Angie basically cried of act fake cried on them to um, save Peggy's ass. Oh, and then the and, grandmother thing was hilarious. Oh my god, that was great. Basically, it was the best episode yet, and if I were, I'm for some reason, I'm just kind of incoherent tonight. If I were more coherent, I would say real words about the episode besides it was great, but sadly, that's all you're getting from me tonight because I can't words. Well, it's funny because it was kind of lean on the science fiction-y aspect and more on the character aspects. Which and is what I love, just actually. What it should have been, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's getting to the point where I'm getting pissed off that we're on episode five of a six-episode arc, and clearly there's more that should be done with this character. Well, there's eight episodes, I think. Well, I think, I think there were only six. Three more. I There have been conflicting things. I think at first it was like nine, and then, I don't know. So let me look online to see how many episodes there are. Because, um, yeah, next episode is episode seven. Right. No. Um, There's only yeah. eight episodes, right? There, are, Yeah, there are eight episodes. So we have two, we have two left. Because the first one was a, a two-parter. Was, the double one and two. Yeah, the right. double one. So that was one and Did, two. Uh, did ABC come out and say whether or not they're going to do a season two no, yet? No, because they're shitheads. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> Disney owns Marvel. Right. Disney owns ABC. Right. Disney can keep Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going, which I love, by the way. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going as long as they fucking want to tie it into the movies. Therefore, even if the ratings for that dropped which the ratings for that have been iffy and no one's blamed it on the fact that they have an ensemble lead with two, you know, Asian women. Not a single person. So, therefore, they have no excuse to cancel Agent Carter. Like, literally, they, they, if they do, it's because they're shitheads. If they can right. keep Agent, if they can keep Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going for as long as they want, they can keep Agent Carter going for as long as they want. And Agreed. as long as they want, had better be at least six seasons in a movie. 
I would imagine if the ratings come in pretty high for the show, they'll they'll launch it again for another season. Yeah, I don't know how the ratings are doing though. Like, we keep getting conflicting things. Well, and they're, they're in sweeps right now, so they'll know in like a yeah after a couple the next of hours. <laughs> I don't know. Last week, Entertainment Weekly, which I yelled about last week, posted a really shitty article about how the ratings were terrible and how it's a bad show. And I'm like, well, fuck you, Entertainment Weekly. You're a shitty magazine, and I don't care about your life. Bye. <laughs> and that kind of worked, yeah. A little bit. I, I mean, you highly recommend the show. You oh, know. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I watched the first couple episodes. <laughs> I'm so bad. I watched the first couple episodes of Agents of Shield, and I really yeah. enjoyed it. I did, but yeah. then uh, the show got away from me, and then it wasn't available on Hulu for me to catch mm. up. And yep. you know well, the, the whole Deathlock season... thing happened, and and uh, and then I saw Agent Carter was coming out, and I just haven't had a chance to. Yeah. Uh, well, you don't need to have seen Agents of Shield to see Agent Carter. Um, a lot of people uh, that I've seen kind of be a part of the fandom haven't even seen anything else in the Marvel universe. Um, it, it's actually kind of easy. Well, also because it's a prequel to pretty much everything except Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, so you don't really need to know anything about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It helps to know a little bit, um, and you pick up on more things. But it is kind of easy to come in cold, especially if you haven't seen Agents of Shield. Like, there aren't really any. Um, I mean, there there are connections, but Agent Carter comes first, so you don't need to have seen Agent Carter, uh, Agents of right. Shield to well, understand Agent Carter. All you needed to see, if you wanted to, is Captain yeah. America. Right, and actually, they they spend some time throwing a lot of uh, backstory by using clips from mm-hmm. Captain America. Uh, They've got some oh, really great episodes. montages. Um, like the the opening montage is probably one of like the best. I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it cuts together like Peggy of the first episode, um, Peggy getting dressed, going to work um, with clips from the movie of her being, you know, in a war zone and like being a badass and then her like putting on her dress and her lipstick to go to work. Um, and it's really well done and it kind of ties in um, her where she is after the movie. Okay. It's really good, um, but well, I, I, I will definitely now Netflix, uh, watch so. the show. I'll catch up on it because that sounds that sounds pretty awesome. So. Yeah, it's, well, it's amazing. It's you know the forty setting the the uh, is wonderful. Uh, a lot of the back the Marvel backstory that they just kind of isn't necessary for you to understand, but there's a whole lot of stuff they throw against the wall, and you just kind of go, "That was cool." There are uh, a lot of Easter eggs if you did know Asian what's going Carter on. Did exist at all, at all, in the comic books at any point in time? She does now. I'm not she sure she does before. before. The, she, the I'm not sure. Let's see. That's interesting. I, I, I'm just curious because, uh, it, not that it really matters one way or another, a good premise is a good premise. Um, it looks like she did. Um, sh- let's see. Tales of the Suspense. Oh, okay, so that goes back, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like she has been a part... Yeah, so she um, has been a part of Marvel Comics since um, 1966. That's Wasn't awesome. she at some point a part of the uh, Howling Commandos? Possibly. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. If you do the Wikipedia, it'll tell you her team affiliations. I do <laughs> like that all the time. 
it doesn't it does not say there um it doesn't say it just says she's more in the comics she was more of like a flashback love interest and in uh alter, an alternate storyline where captain america never gets frozen they get married um and then just film yeah no, i don't know no, part of the backstory they put it in uh in this last couple of episodes was her reuniting with the Howling Commandos after the end of World War II, which I thought was just a wonderful throwback. Yeah, and it was so cute. That was such such a cute scene. It was. Or a few scenes. It was actually most of the episode. <laughs> I, but I, it was I, I like the actor who plays Dum 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 Dugan. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he's pretty bad. You ever see Ravenous? No. No. Uh, he's great in that film. Check it out if you ever get a chance. There you go. I thought the cool thing about him, though, more than anything else for me, was that he was literally as good a lookalike for the comic book character as I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. I mean, it just kind of went, whoa, well, Nice. Isn't he kind of dumpy and stuff in the comics though? Doesn't he have like a gut and everything? And he's he's a he's a ginger, right? Yeah, he did towards the end of the of the Olympic Commandos, but that was after Nick Fury had left. So you guys, I was just stalking the actor. He's from Dorchester. No the way. guy who plays Dumb Dugan is from Dorchester. <laughs> of course he is. And he grew up in Barnstable. So weird. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm done. He looks weird without the mustache. I can't do it. Give up. <laughs> I'm done with the internet. We're done. Internet, you have failed me. Internet. Internet. <sighs> so in other uh, movie news this week, the... In other Marvel news? I don't know. You have any more Marvel news to deal with? Well, I, I thought you were going to lead into... The whole, you know, Spider-Man thing. Actually, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> and that is Marvel news. It is, actually. Uh, Spider-Man, after years of being mistreated by uh, Sony and being rebooted twice badly, has now uh, been allowed back into the Marvel Universe, which will, uh, well, kind of more than anything else... Uh, I mean, evidently, Sony has still got the rights to be able to make another Spider-Man movie, but Marvel has now been given the, the green light to put him into the Avengers movies. And all I can say to that is, oh, thank Christ. All I can say to that is, I really hope we don't get another white dude named Chris. <laughs> That's what I really hope. <laughs> I, I have been, you know, since the very first trilogy that Sony did with Tobey Maguire, just, uh. just totally uninspired. And and then the second set with, uh, God, what, what the hell is this? Andrew Garfield. Yeah, boy, wasn't that terrible. I didn't even see the second one. I'm like, eh. I mean, the first one was fine, but it wasn't really anything. I wasn't like, yeah, this is the best. I was like, yeah. Whatever. Well, you know, they fell into that DC trap of okay, a bunch of Superman movies 
and then we're going to find somebody else to play Superman, and we're going to start over again, and then we're going to find somebody else to play Superman, and we're going to start over again. So basically, you will have six movies that tell the exact same freaking story. Yeah. And when Sony started doing this with with the Spider-Man franchise, by the way, I didn't know he was Jewish. It's it's Spider-Man? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Thank you, Mr. Spider-Man. Uh, you know, first of all, you need to control these characters, and you don't control them by retelling the story over and over again. Yeah, I like mean, we know, like one of my one of my friends posted on Facebook. Um, if we get another origin story, I will shoot Uncle Ben myself. <laughs> like we know, we know he dies. Can That's I stand outside point. the bank and shoot him this time? Thank right? you. Like, it's definitely come to a point now where I, I did hear that the Batman versus Superman film, they're going to assume the crowd actually knows Batman's origin. No so shit. They're, <laughs> they're not going to even bother explaining it. They're just going to go, this is Batman. And there I don't you give go. a shit about Batman anymore. I don't care. I'm bored. He's boring. He's boring now. It's gotten to the point where there's not much. You know, it was funny because, uh, I, oh, I saw uh, the new Michael Keaton movie. Well, not it's not all that new anymore. Birdman. Birdman. Yeah. And, you know, holy shit. Talk about uh, art imitating art imitating art imitating life. Well, wasn't <laughs> that the point, though? It absolutely was. And it okay. was, like, it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot it. like Mickey Rourke's whole uh, The Wrestler type thing where it was a a movie written for a person that was making a comeback into film and uh, am I wrong? No, no, not at all. I don't know. I didn't see it. Did you ever see The Wrestler? Oh yeah, absolutely. The movie's amazing. It's just I have not seen Birdman yet. I do want to see it. Is The Wrestler about dudes hitting each other? (laughs) The Wrestler about dudes hitting each other? No, it's it's like a therapy for dudes from the WWF. Apparently, they oh, all get like, really fucked up at some point in time. Yeah, I don't care about movies really about dudes up. unless there's space. And then <laughs> I generally don't care. <laughs> Maybe dragons. Other than that, like, and there usually has to be, like, at least one or two good female characters before I can care. And they have to be, like, main characters. But, yeah, I don't care about movies about dudes. But, I mean, I was watching Birdman, and I was thinking about how cool the very first Batman was with Michael Keaton. Yeah, I do actually like those movies, though. And the Michael Keaton, I would say, is my favorite live-action Batman. And how badly it went downhill so quickly. You know... Uh, when well, Joel Schumacher took over, or when... Yeah, yeah when exactly. Left, yeah, yeah, yeah Batman and Robin and Batman Forever... Uh, a friend of mine was was talking about the fact that him and his he, he showed his wife for the first time um, Batman Forever. Oh God! <laughs> uh, for comical value, right? You have to be and, like uh, wasted. To she enjoy she got that. like really pissed off about it. She's like, "This is terrible." And I'm like, "The funny thing about that is, is that that didn't kill the franchise. It wasn't until Batman and Robin." <laughs> The, uh, the franchise actually got murdered. Apparently, George Clooney, if you go to George Clooney and you say, I saw Batman and Robin, he'll give you $10 <laughs> to give you your money back for paying to see it. 
It, the thing is, is like Val Kilmer was like an atrocious Batman. Like, yeah, yeah. Clooney was just kind of calling it in, but like, what was he supposed to do? You know, it was a Joel Schumacher. Uh, he was trying to bring back the whole 1970s version of Batman, and, and missed by a yeah, country totally, mile. totally. <laughs> but I don't blame Clooney. I think Clooney is pretty awesome. I, I think Kilmer just gave up on life at some point, and well, have you seen? Yeah, yeah, he basically. <laughs> Stopped acting and just kind of looked at the camera and smirked. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's the whole scene where he, like, comes out and he yells at the crowd that he's Batman. Like, Batman would never do that. He right. Just, I was just like, this is the worst fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, no, it's not the worst by a long shot, but it's a franchise killer. Tommy Lee Jones, it, Val Kilmer, and uh, Jim Carrey just don't give a shit about the fact that they're in that film at all. Uh, or Arnold. No, no, I'm talking about Batman <laughs> Forever, which yeah, was... Oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, Arnold and Uma Thurman, you're just, you, you're embarrassed because they yeah. cry. And I mean... <laughs> you know? And I mean, if you look at the progression across the Superman series, it's the same thing. One is more embarrassing than the one before. I mean, even in the original set, by the time we got to Batman 3 with Richard Pryor playing... You know, and you just kind of said, why? Why have you done this? There was yep. nothing. They, that first <laughs> Superman movie wasn't bad, but it just it paved the road to hell for the rest of them. I, you know, I think everybody is right now, uh, or at least a couple of people I've talked to, not everybody, but people are waiting for Marvel's other boot to drop, you know, like that one bad film that comes out that destroys the current... Hitman. <laughs> oh, no, 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 Seriously, no, no. right? <laughs> right? <No>. Yes! Hitman. <laughs> yes! The lamest superhero except for Aquaman. It could He's also, only it could also be slightly less lame than Aquaman. I think if Edgar Wright had stayed on board like they originally created the Avengers and then just, you know, pretend it's fine. Let's do that. (laughs) I I wish Edgar Wright was still handling the film. That's that's I don't know much about the Black Widow movie instead. You wanna see what? I wish it was a Black Widow movie instead. I think we all wish there was a Black Widow movie happening and the groundswell for it is amazing. And uh well, in, in Marvel News, uh, they've been talking about Angelina Jolie is going to be directing uh, Oh, Captain yeah. Marvel. Yeah. That's a woman movie. Yeah? Yeah, only one. I'm excited about it, but it's only one. And I well, it's like, and it's it's like not enough. Superman for the Marvel Universe. You know, it's, it's pretty badass. Yes, but it's not enough. <laughs> they, they gave us 11 white dudes. Name Chris. Are you excited so for Spider Gwen coming out next month? Yeah. No, not at all. Are you serious? Not at all. <laughs> Spider Gwen, shoot me I've now. Heard, I've heard that Sony's already in picture talks to make that. What a shot. <laughs> Let's well, so they own all the Spider franchise, so. I will only be happy when we have an equal number of female superhero movies to male superhero movies. That will never happen, so... So I I will never be happy, but I will keep yelling about it until then. (laughs) I will yell about it until I die. Uh, You have to look forward to it. Do you guys read Valiant comics? 
No. Um, I have. I've got a, bu- a bunch, but I haven't lately. I would just like to say that uh, Divinity Number 1 came out today, and it's a really good read, and you guys should check it out. Like, you don't need to know anything about Valiant to just pick up that book and read it. That's good, because I don't. Yeah, just that one book. It, what, is, what is Valiant? Is, is that a superhero? No, Valiant yeah, is a... Uh, it's a comic book line. It's like Marvel or DC, but um, at one point in time... In the 1990s, Valiant was outselling both of them. It wasn't in the newspaper, was it? No. It actually was. Was it? I remember that. Okay, I remember that. When I was a kid. Yup, it was. In New Orleans, they actually have Shadow Man Day, which is one of the Valiant characters. You remember Prince Valiant being in in the newspaper comics? No, 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 no. Not Prince different, Valiant. Different, different. I don't thing. know. That's what I thought it was called when totally I was like different. five. Yes, I do. I, I I know what Prince Valiant is. Uh, but this is is it? Just think about it as a whole comic book line. It doesn't take place in the Middle Ages. There's no prince, and it's superheroes. Hmm. It's it's really good. You guys should check it out if you haven't read it already. Sci-fi is the biggest thing behind it. It's all. And especially this book that I'm talking about, Divinity, it's really good. Basically, it's uh, the it's during the Cold War, and the Russians send this guy into space on a 30-year-long journey. I don't want to ruin the rest for you. They send him in deep space. Cool. Sounds sounds interesting. Yeah, it's pretty creepy and it's kind of cool and. Check it out. While we're busy checking out stuff like that, and you've been listening to Joe Schmalky talk about somebody else's comic that he really loves, <laughs> Joe, let's talk about Infernal Pact. All right. Um, do you want me to give you the like elevator pitch? Or? Yeah, absolutely. We'll start okay. there. So... Um, the Infernal Pact is a Grindhouse-styled uh, comic book. And by that, I mean it's like one of those 70s exploitation uh, films uh, about these three math addicts that <laughs> uh, sell their soul to the devil for drugs, and then they find themselves cursed. And um, the curse... At first, they think it's like a blessing, like everything starts going right for them. And in some cases, like these these guys are hardcore addicts, so like teeth are falling out, their skin's a little bit. Um, they wake up the following day after selling their souls, and they're they're looking pretty svelte and uh, attractive. And then they start having blackouts, these blackout moments and stuff. And um, they're waking up in like they're having murdered people. So this curse is really bad and they're trying to get control of their life. So, um, yeah, that's the elevator pitch. Uh, the first three issues of it will be produced by May of this year. And, um, I've had such good feedback from the series so far that I'm going ahead and writing the next 
Infernal Pack series. So. So you originally got this started through a Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, I'm I'm not like on anybody's big radar where I'm a known artist or anything like that. So I can't just go to like, um, you know, any but yeah, like IDW or uh, Image and be like, hey, this is my book and let's put this out. So Kickstarter is a great way to do that and um, got funded through there, made enough money on Kickstarter that uh, I do believe that Kickstarter is not being run the right way by some people. Some people it is. but um, what, what do you mean by that? Well, it's not a fun my life um, site. It's a fun the project site. And I have... Um, used it for that purpose so when it makes over the money that it needs in order for a printing of this book to be done it goes back into the printing of the book in other ways so rather than just rewarding myself and being like oh thanks for all this money and here you go here's your book I've dipped the money back into the project itself to give people more immersive experience in the book or to pay somebody to do another function of the book that I'm not particularly that great at, like lettering. I was able to uh, hire uh, Rachel Deering to do the lettering for the book from the amount of money I raised. Uh, not that like I can't letter. It's just she's a pro. I'm not a pro letterer. And that's, she has a pretty big portfolio with that. Um, the other part of it was I was able to bring on an editor. Um, I got Sean Greenleaf, whose work I like from Escape from Jesus Island. I don't know if you guys have read that book. It's an independent. Um, they've put out two issues so far. But uh, he really digs the subject matter in collaborating with someone uh, rather than just paying somebody to do something is... Uh, I'm at a loss of words for it, but it really helps the project out quite a bit. Um, like, he's invested in it, even though he's not the sole creator, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I created this thing, but he comes into it with a, a set of eyes being uh, somebody that knows what's going on, loves what's going on, and then gives me a different perspective on it, and uh, offers me advice from the paneling of the book, uh, rewrites and lettering and bottom line, you know, if the artwork stinks or something like that, he'll let me know. So, uh, totally invaluable information as far as I'm concerned. And then, um, people backed it enough that I was able to give everybody like a free comic book out of it. Uh, just a little short story that, I had always envisioned that um, certain characters in the book did certain things for a reason, but I never explain it because it's just like, well, it's kind of cool when things can be mysterious and you're just assuming this is the way it is. But um, I also don't mind sharing the story because it was something I had in my head anyway. So that's how Issue Zero came about. Um, yeah. 
No, you're doing fine. So there were a number of little mini things going on. Uh, the the Kickstarter project had an exclusive cover on it, and it's only available. Uh, and you, so is it now being sold in comic stores as well? Um, the exclusive cover only goes to people that backed it for the exclusive cover. Um, the the regular cover will be sold over and over and over as to as many stories as I can put the comic book in. Um, right now there are four stories that are going to be carrying it. Um, I mean that's not a lot, but you know it's within my little scope of uh, New England you know, stores that I frequented at some point in my life, I call them up and I'm like, hey, you want to pick this up? And then they're like, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, anybody that backed it on Kickstarter for an exclusive cover, that that was only printed for them. And I I did that ahead of time. You know, I was like, um, you give you give uh, the people that back your project like that, you, you have to make something exclusive for them that nobody else can have, or, I mean, what's the point, right? You, you can't just go, oh, it's limited. It's, you, you have to be honest with, with the consumer that you're, you're selling the product to. So there, there's something in the Kickstarter uh, that I thought was kind of weird. Uh, uh, one of the rewards is a companion book to the Infernal Pact called the Tijuana Bible. Oh, yeah, uh, it's called The Grand Adventures of Duke and Duchess. <laughs> it's a porno that uh, goes <laughs> along with the book. Um, in issue two, it plays a pretty big role uh, because one of the main characters, uh, whose name is Biscuit, he's reading it, and um, he, uh, he references it a couple of times, and... So what I thought would be interesting would be like to actually give people the Tijuana Bible that he's reading because it's really dirty. And um, if nobody's familiar with what a Tijuana Bible is, they're eight-page, um, one-panel comic books uh, in a rectangular format. And uh, that's all I'm going to talk about. Yeah, you pretty much can't do much more beyond that. Um, I would I would recommend anybody Wikipedia that or just Google Tijuana Bible and you'll you'll get an idea of what I'm making. Or maybe don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's that as well. Maybe Definitely. don't Google that. No, no, it's probably not a good thing to Google. Not not a good thing to have in your. Uh, I I didn't show anything besides the cover for the Kickstarter because I thought the rest of it would be too inappropriate. So uh, it's done in a different style. And like I said, it's one page format um, for the, the actual cartooning and illustration and stuff. So um, yeah, that it, I, I figured the infernal pack took place in this world that was, you know, it's a grindhouse world. It's sleazy and uh, people would have access to Tijuana Bibles there. So where where are you in this project now with the Infernal Pack? Uh, so issues one through three are written. Um, issues one and 
zero are illustrated. Uh, issue zero is at the printer right now. Issue zero is actually a giveaway for anybody that buys issue one. So if you get issue one, you get issue zero with it. It's just a little tag on. Um, and I just eat the cost of that because I think it's a cool project. Um, issues two and three are in the process of being illustrated. Um, I do have an editor now uh, with issue number one, just with issue number one. Um, I was doing everything by myself, uh, except for the lettering, which I uh, hired Rachel Deering to do. And then with issue zero, I, I brought on an editor, uh, Sean Greenleaf from Escape from Jesus Island, and he's going to edit the book um, as of now, at least through issue zero, I mean through issue three. Um, he might go further because I'm already working on uh, the second book. And then um, I'd like to keep Rachel on as well to do the lettering past the first three issues, but we'll see what happens, what her work schedule is like. So essentially what I'm hearing is that we're going to go beyond the first three issues that were, uh, were uh, funded through the Kickstarter. Right, but it's, it's issues one through three are a complete story that stand alone, and anything after that will be standalone stories with similar characters. Think about it like um, uh, Sin City. You know, characters right. in that act same two different storylines. Um, so the characters you see from the the first book might show up in the second book, but they might only be there for like a second. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I absolutely do. Yeah. So where can people listening to the podcast uh, grab a copy of the Infernal Pact? Is it available um, on your website? It's available through the website. Every issue that gets um, produced will go up through the website and be able to be purchased through there. Um, and then all the conventions that I attend, um, obviously I'll have it there. Um, let's see, Coast City Comics in Portland, Maine will have it. Jetpack Comics uh, in New Hampshire. Um, I'll be dropping off some copies with them. Comic Kazi in Somerville, Massachusetts, they'll be picking it up. And uh, but I'm not too sure how long they'll carry it for. Uh, they they basically told me I could come in for a a store signing. They're really big on promoting indie um, artwork and artists and comic books. So we're setting up a date with them now. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, Coast City, Jetpack, Kamikaze. I know there was somebody else, and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Oh, yes. Awesome Hobby Shop in Biddeford, Maine. They're picking up copies of it, too. So if you live in Biddeford, Maine, there you go. And, there and you then go. Um, uh, I'll be at MeCaf, um, Boston Comic Con, and uh, as soon as it opens up, Hartford Comic Con this year. Alrighty. So, what else is going on in the Joe Schmalky universe right now? Where is is that your main focus? 
Uh, no. Okay, so um, I just... I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it. I don't, I don't think it would be a problem if it... I, um, I just did five pages of artwork for a Comics Tribe book, uh, Oxymoron Book 2, and the portion of the story I worked on was called The Final Solution, and um, basically Oxymoron, I don't know if you know anything about the character or Comics Tribe or anything, uh, Comics Tribe has been putting out a book called The Red Ten, which is, um, basically it's like a Justice League being killed off one by one by the Joker, and um, uh, Oxymoron is kind of like a mix between the Riddler and the Joker, and um, he's had his own spinoff graphic novels from it, and he had one already, and in this one, he flips in and out of different time periods, and during the time period that I illustrate uh, that portion of the book, it's World War II, and so he's Ooh. going after Adolf Hitler. Yeah. So, um, that will be coming out in um, May or June. Um, pretty cool. And then, I want you to just... Uh us an email so we can uh, promote that when that comes out. Most definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Tyler James. Uh, I don't know if you guys right. know him. He he ran uh, Comics Drive. He approached me at uh, Grand State last year to illustrate that portion of the book. So and Tyler asked you to do something. He's a good guy. He's, he's an absolutely cool guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. another one that we possibly yeah. come across. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and Emily was gone. That's a really good series that they put out recently. Um, yeah. Totally enjoyed it. So. Well, it, it's then, really um, hard to be uh, uh, an independent comic uh, producer when you have the vision. And uh, Joe, this is this is your second one. It looks really really cool. I've really enjoyed what I've seen of it. Uh, even though Grindhouse is not in my wheelhouse, uh, the uh, illustration is, is... Can you say a Grindhouse illustration is wonderful? Because I'm, I'm going to. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say the illustrations necessarily Grindhouse. What I went for was the dirtiest looking thing I could find, which uh, was woodcutting. Um yeah, the, uh, uh, to me, just looks like um, I don't know, it looks like street art or something like that. You know what I mean? Like every yeah. man's art, where anybody could pick up a block and carve into it, and then stick that to a wall, and you're you're putting up a story, you're putting out your message, and um, I like people's art. You know, I like, uh, and that's part of what I'm trying to do is like make things um probably the reason I got the comic books in general. And uh I, I used to be a you know, like a painter. I was doing like these huge canvas paintings and stuff. Up in Maine where I live now, uh nobody can afford anything because we're a very it's it's a poor state. It just fits. Um you know, there's not a lot of money up here and my paintings don't sell. And I was like, well, and, and people liked it, and I want people to own it. 
And I was like, well, the way that people could own something and be part of something is if you can mass produce it in some way. And, um, I remember uh, studying in art school that uh, part of the, the way that communists used to make their artwork was through block printing. So I went for that look, um, and I've uh, adopted that look. It's an interesting Not because book. I'm a communist or something, but because <laughs> it's no, I understand that part. It's a really cool look. It's a really cool series. It's the Grindhouse miniseries, The Infernal Pact. It's Joe Schmalky. Joe, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Brianna, <coughs> what's coming up in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week, we have Veronica Bailey of Storied Threads. Then, on the 28th, we're talking to Scott Godsward and Rachel Kenley, who edited Once Upon an Apocalypse. And on March 7th, we talked to the excellent Jim Martin, who is a puppeteer for Sesame Street and the Great Space Coaster. And on March 14th, Scott, Scott Godsward, Scott and David Godsward. Is this yes, a typo? Is this no. a typo? Booking monkey. It's not a typo. Okay, okay. Well, they're going to come and talk about the Horror Guide to Massachusetts, and I'm really psyched for that one, let me tell you. Sir Sarah? So, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, booze.com and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art dozens of your favorite artists. Nice outdoor music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their groups on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Nice intro music provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. Don't? Yeah, I kind of heard most of that. <laughs> I want to thank Joe Smoke for joining us tonight. I want to thank our, our selected guest, all of usual cast tonight. Uh, from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Brianna. Yeah, what? Thanks, guys. Exactly. And from our own personal galaxy quest, Sir Santa Lady Night. Ah! This is Zoe saying, Terry and Jeannie share famous lesson, share joy and priest. Thus do we all heed entropy. Good night. I know.